I'm Liz Wessel, co-founder and CEO of Way Up. You're listening to our podcast, On the Way Up, where I talk to industry leaders and innovators about how they got started. No matter what your career path, you had to start somewhere. From side hustles to first jobs, we're talking all about making the first career move and what it's like on the way up. What the average person sees from a great brand are subways smacked with the hilarious ads, keynote speeches, perfectly designed products hitting the shelves or the app store. But the only way that stuff ever makes it to the public is because of what goes on behind the scenes. Operations teams are the hidden machinery that keep everything running. Within this complex chain of finance, HR, support, and a partner to the CEO is the chief of staff. They're often called the right-hand man, or in this case, woman, to the CEO. But what that actually means can vary. A chief of staff's responsibilities range from partnering with the CEO and making strategic business decisions to that of an executive assistant, crafting presentations and arranging meetings to optimize the CEO's productivity. Because there is such diversity of responsibilities, chief of staffs usually have the most interesting and varied origin stories. YouTube's chief of staff started as a daily news reporter. The chief of staff at Dollar Shave Club used to work at Saks Fifth Avenue. ClassPass's chief of staff was a web developer. Our guest today is a chief of staff who started her career in mergers and acquisitions at a large financial institution. She spent the first eight years of her career in finance, and today she is the right-hand woman to CEO Jennifer Hyman, the CEO at Rent the Runway, which is also known as the Closet in the Cloud, where I personally do all of my quote-unquote shopping from. That person is Jackie Cutler. Thanks for joining us, Jackie. Thank you for having me, Liz. So Jackie, why don't you start off by giving our listeners a 60-second rundown. What is a day in the life of a chief of staff to the CEO? So no day is the same as a chief of staff. Um, As the partner to the CEO, you might be helping him or her craft presentation for a big pitch that they're doing. You might help them with a board meeting presentation. You might help them with talking points for a PR interview. Um, You might be helping them on strategy. Um, So that's anything from international strategy to horizontal expansion strategy. Basically anything and everything that the CEO does, you're their right-hand partner. So if you were to make a pie chart of what your chief of staff role is, because as we know, every chief of staff is different and is asked to do different things. But for you, what is a typical pie chart of an average week in Jackie Cutler's life? Yeah, so I would say my job today is split into three areas. Um, The first is just being a key partner for our CEO, Jennifer Hyman, um, across anything and everything that she's doing. So it could be she's getting interviewed, she needs help with her talking points, I'll work with the PR team on that. Um, she has a big meeting with a potential partner of ours, so I'll prep a you know, presentation for that. It's kind of anything that she is doing on a daily basis. I'm her right-hand person for all the content behind that. Um, I should also note that she has an executive assistant. So it's sort of the two of us that manage what we call internally the office of the CEO. And her executive assistant is focused on her schedule, um, you know, bringing her kind of just her daily needs. And I'm focused more, I would say, on the content behind what she's doing. Um, The second part of what I do is being a key partner to our CEO as we're thinking about company-wide initiatives and company-wide 
um, projects. So every quarter we have a board meeting. Every month we have a company-wide meeting. Um, so I work closely with our CEO and our executive team on what's the content we actually want to get across in this company meeting. Um, what do we want to update our board on? And then really partnering with folks across the organization to get that information all together and put it into a streamlined um presentation that can then be communicated by Jen and the other execs. And it's funny, by the way, because I think a lot of people who work at companies see the Friday team meeting or the monthly all hands as just something that, oh, it's, you know, it's just put together, but so much work goes on behind the scenes. And that it sounds like that's a big part of your role. That's a big part of my role, for sure. Um, and just kind of keeping everyone on the same page with what's happening and, and where things are going. Um, and then I would say the third part is various strategic projects that don't have another natural home within the company. So that is to say, as we're thinking about our international strategy, what com- what countries should we go to? Um, you know, who should we be potentially partnering with in those countries? Uh, as we think about category expansion, I don't know if, if folks saw, but we launched a partnership with West Elm publicly uh, yesterday. I don't know when this comes out, but uh, it probably will have been a few weeks ago for all of you. Um, we launched a partnership with West Elm where for the first time we're expanding into the home. Um, so, you know, working cross functionally with the team on getting that off the ground and then all of the press associated with it afterwards. Um, so I would say those are the three kind of key areas. So let's rewind a little bit. You went to the University of Pennsylvania where we met, and you were a summer analyst at Blackstone. After graduating, this internship turned into a full-time gig. Many of our listeners take internship opportunities with the hopes of them becoming job offers. So I'd love for you to shed some light on this. Was there anything that you did that you think really assured your full-time offer at the end of the summer internship? Sure. So just to backtrack a little bit, uh, when I was at Penn, I studied finance and international studies as part of a program called the Huntsman Program. Um, It was a dual degree between Wharton and the college. And for those of you who are studying finance, you'll often feel that you get kind of pulled in the direction of investment banking because that's kind of where everyone ends up starting their their first job out of school. Um, And I think it's gone even earlier and earlier that sophomores are getting internships and then juniors are getting internships. And there's a ton of pressure on campus to sort of do this on-campus recruiting, get that summer job, and then work your way towards full-time. So I got you know, swept up into that process um, and spent my summer at Blackstone in their M&A group as a generalist focusing on consumer retail, financial services, healthcare. Um, And I think as an intern, to go back to your question, as an intern, in order to sort of best position yourself for full time, you just need to be a go-getter. You need to be a yes person. You need to be the have a great attitude. You know, you might be pulling all-nighters. You might be working crazy hours. But if you're the kind of person who's going to put your head down and get the job done and do it great and check your work and, you know, be detail-oriented, you're going to really stand out. Um, And I think that's what these firms are looking for, you know, just – an intern who's going to be an all-around go-getter, no task is too small, and you know I think that best positions you to get the job. So when full-time. you when you applied for that finance internship, what was in the back of your head as like what your dream job was? You know, if I had found Jackie junior year of college, what would she have said her dream job ten years from now was? Yeah, so um, I was not one of those people who had a ten-year plan. I really wanted to start my career someplace that I knew would give me a well-rounded skill set no matter where I went. Um, I didn't necessarily have a dream job. I knew that I you know, had studied finance. It's what I knew. It's what I was good at. And I was ready to apply that to a job after school. And 
work somewhere where I could learn as much as humanly possible and gain kind of the broadest skill set as humanly possible. And I think investment banking is a really good place to kick off your career because you learn how to use Excel, you learn about companies, you learn about business models, you learn about different markets, you learn how to put together a PowerPoint presentation, you learn how to interact with people, you learn how to work hard. You just learn all these sort of basic foundational skills that if you wanted to go into almost any field afterwards, you know, barring like medicine or law or, you know, something where you really do need a degree. But if you want to sort of get a general business knowledge in your first job out of school, I think it's a great um, starting point. Let's actually talk a little bit about that because a lot of people listening to this might be one day wanting to be a chief of staff, a COO, a head of operations. Mm -hmm. Do you think that they should start in finance? Like what what should they think about as their first step in their career to get to your level? I do think the path that I took um, positions you well. I think you are interacting as a, you know, a junior summer associate. You're already sitting in the room potentially with CEOs of companies that you're advising. So you're already getting that like very, very high level interaction. I think also as I didn't work in consulting, but I think consulting is a great path forward to sort of build out those foundational skill sets and get to think about business problems. I have a lot of friends who started out that way and have ended up doing amazing jobs after school. I also think for employers who are hiring for business operations, for strategy, they often look for, um, you know, people who've been a couple years out of the workforce and have had some of those foundational um, jobs coming right out of college. Because in order to invest and hire, invest in and hire, you know, a new person, there's a certain sort of known quantity that you're going to get when you hire somebody who's coming from investment banking or consulting. You know the skills that they have. You know that what they've developed. You know what they've learned. And you know that that could be valuable to your business as well. Any tips for people listening who've tried to get the investment banking job, they've tried to get the consulting job, and those are really hard jobs to get. Like yeah. They get probably a 1,000 applications for every one hire they make. Yeah. Harder to get that than potentially even get into Harvard. So for those listening who haven't been able to get those internships but still really dream of being a COO or a right-hand woman slash man to the CEO at Rent the Runway or wherever, any other tips for skills that they can try to acquire off the job? Maybe they're an English major and they take a journalism you know, gig as their first job. Any skills that they should try to learn, whether it's through Code Academy or YouTube videos or whatever? So um, I would say in terms of skills that I learned um, – You can definitely take, you know, online financial modeling courses. You can take courses online on how best to put together a presentation. Um, I think communication skills are huge. So, you know, in any job that you're in, you can work on communication skills, both written and verbal. um, And that's extremely important as well. I think research is another big area. Um, You know, research is something that can be completely self-taught as well. You know, it's just kind of you behind your computer reading articles, you know, reading research reports um, and kind of trying to put together a strategy based on all of the facts and information that you're pulling together. And I think you don't need to be a consultant or an investment banker to learn how to do those things. So, okay, 
going back to Blackstone. So you left Blackstone after about two years and you went to General Atlantic in San Francisco where we reconnected again, um, which was a lot of fun. So talk to us a little bit about General Atlantic, obviously a private equity firm, what you did there, um, what you learned and what made you want to leave there to actually go onto the operational side of working at a company. I joined a firm called General Atlantic in the summer of 2013 in their Palo Alto office. Um, I was on the internet and technology team, which meant I was focused on consumer internet businesses and enterprise software businesses, primarily on the West Coast. Um, So kind of, and West Coast meant anything west of the Mississippi. So and as a late stage growth equity firm, General Atlantic typically puts fifty plus million dollars to work into fast growing private companies for the most part. It's a lot of money. Um, so they're generally, especially on the internet side, they're generally doing Series C, Series D, and later up to pre IPO rounds, um, investing in late stage tech companies for the most part. Uh, so as part of that job, I would say. The job was divided into three parts. First was sourcing new investment opportunities, and that was really developing sales skills, I would say. You would cold call CEOs. You would cold email, try and figure out out your way to network into those companies just to sort of get face-to-face and start to develop a relationship. And I think sales skills are really important kind of no matter what job you're in. So that was a really foundational skill set that I built there. The second part of it was live deal execution. So once we figured out, okay, we're going to invest $50 million into X, Y, or Z company, let's do all of the diligence and the research to figure out how much is the company worth? Um, is this the right business model? Is this the right management team? Is this the right market? And you know, trying to size and scale that opportunity um, and really do the hard work to figure out both from a qualitative and a quantitative perspective you know, how to move the investment forward. And then I would say the last third of the job was uh, portfolio operations and portfolio execution. So as an associate, you get assigned a couple of portfolio companies that you were in charge of. And as General Atlantic thinks about their sell-down strategy, thinks about you know any sort of mergers and acquisitions that might happen with the company, if the company is going to get bought, sold by another business, you're sort of the analytical partner internally at General Atlantic to focus on those questions. Um, and so I got to work on the IPO of Box, um, which was really exciting, as well as the IPO of Trinet. Um, which is an outsourced HR services provider, uh, and had some really exciting experiences. So at what point did you decide, I want to go from the finance world to the operations world, and I specifically want to work in finance at Rent the Runway? So um, I took the summer off after my experience at GA. It was a lot of hard work for two years, learned a ton. Um, And one of the best parts about the job was the first part that I talked about, where you're constantly meeting new businesses, new management teams, new business models. Um, And I really was going to these meetings, you know, week after week, month after month, and almost feeling a jealousy of the people on the other side of the table, that what they were doing was so interesting, that they were really building and shaping and growing a company. And I kind of thought to myself, okay, I have this financial skill set. How do I best make them move to the other side of the table? And so I really came to the conclusion that joining the finance team at 
a fast growing company was the way to do it. And that was sort of my best pivot point to make that transition. Um, So I took that summer off, as I mentioned, I moved back to New York, I really scoured the landscape, it was important for me to work for a company that I was excited about the mission and the brand and the product. And either I was already a customer or could see myself as a customer, really wanted to work someplace where I could just be like super excited about the business and the opportunity and um, be at a size and stage where there were um, other women in particular around me that I could learn from and grow from who had kind of been around the block and be real mentors to me. Um, Having come from more traditional finance, I was, you know, one of the only women in my analyst class at Blackstone and the only woman in the office as an investment professional out at GA. Um, And I really wanted to work someplace where I was surrounded by female mentors. Um, So came to New York. Funny enough, got a call from the headhunter that recruited me to go from Blackstone to GA uh, with this opportunity at Rent the Runway. And the funny part about that is this headhunting firm focuses almost exclusively on moving investment banking analysts into private equity firms. That's like all they do. And they just so happened to know that I was interested in more of an operating role. This came across their desk. They weren't hired to actually place anyone for this role. Rent the Runway didn't hire them to do this search. It was just like a random fluke connection. Um, And they called me up and they said, this came across our desk. Would you be interested? I said, yes. And like that next Monday, I was at the company interviewing. Wow. So you started in a finance role within Rent the Runway, focused on the unlimited, I remember, product. And then you switched over to chief of staff. Talk to us a little bit about what was the moment you said, there's a chief of staff role I want to put my hat in? What about it enticed you? When I joined the finance team, there were three of us. Uh, and at this point, the company was about 150 people in the corporate office. And so the the role was very strategic to begin with. Um, so it was everything from budgeting to forecasting um, and, you know, all the board decks, all the fundraising decks, um, you know, every investor relations, all that kind of work, and really being a strategic partner throughout the company on any big decision that needed financial analysis. So if we were going to open up a new retail store in a new city, if we were going to think about our unlimited subscription and launching a whole new business model and how much should we price it at and um, all of the financial questions associated with that, those were the projects that I was focused on. So as a three-person team, it was very cross-functional, as I mentioned. So if you're building out the budget and you need to think through every department at the company, on the finance team, you're the key partner with marketing, with inventory planning, with operations for how much are we going to spend? What are our costs going to be? What's the headcount going to look like? Um, And you really get to know the business inside and out. What was missing for me was understanding from a business perspective, kind of the consumer side of it. So I had an innate sense of the consumer side because I was a customer and really did understand it, but I had never actually worked in marketing and PR and branding and product strategy, any of that. And about two to two and a half years in, we had built out the team significantly on the finance side. So whereas every single line item, you know, I had complete ownership of at the beginning, we split it out for good reason across a lot of other people. Um, And I wasn't going as um, broad in terms of, you know, gaining a wide view of what was going on in the business. And so I really felt that, you know, I'd worked my the past six, seven years in finance. And I was like, okay, I don't think I want to be a CFO. Um, how do I build my skill set beyond finance and get to 
become more broad in terms of my knowledge of the business and my understanding of the consumer side of the business. Um, and I voiced that to the CFO and had a, I had a very frank conversation about kind of my trajectory at the business and um, my desire to expand my skill set. And, you know, the company is so amazing, Run the Runway is so amazing in the sense that they really put forth um, as a value your own career. Rather, I mean, obviously the business is important, but they really want to develop careers of um, loyal team members at Mm -hmm. the company and are willing to kind of take a risk. If you've been there for two and a half years and you want to try something new, those risks are often taken and people will move departments. Um, So I raised my hand and, and said, you know, I'm interested in in trying something new. And at the same time, our CEO put out a job application for a chief of staff role, which had never existed before at Rent the Runway. Um, and, you know, we put two and two together and realized that my interest in expanding my skill set beyond finance and trying something new and her desire to have kind of an analytical partner with her uh, really matched. So I've heard from your board members, I've heard from other employees at Rent the Runway that you are very successful at being a chief of staff. So what skills does it take to be successful in this role? Um, I think to be a successful chief of staff, you really need to be a people person. So ironically, uh, working in finance, that's not one of the key skills, I would say, that you need. Um, You're sitting behind a spreadsheet most of the day. Yes, there's interaction with other departments in the company, but you don't need to That's not at the forefront of what you need to be good at to be good at finance. To be a good chief of staff, you need to love being around people. You need to love interacting with people. And I found that it's something that I really do enjoy and something that I find fun. And I think that lends itself to actually being good at it. Because if you enjoy it, you work harder at it and you get better at it and it's sort of a flywheel. You know, being chief of staff, you're, you're the partner to the CEO, but you're really interacting with every other department. So, like, I feel like I know everyone's name at the company. Like, I hope everyone knows who I am. You know, it's it's one of those things where I'm constantly running around and trying to get information and trying to piece things together, um, you know, execute some project and really work together with people. So I would say that's like the number one. Number two is is kind of going back to what I said about your first job as an intern. You need to be a yes person. You need to be a go-getter. Like, no task is too small. You know, you need to be the kind of person who's just, like, going to get it done awesome. no matter how, I guess, or how no task is too small or too big. You know, you might be confronted with something that just seems so daunting, and you got to figure out how to do it and, you know— to the people thing, like try and get the right people in the room to help you get that done. In terms of chief of staff career trajectory, I feel like most people don't stay a chief of staff forever. Of the chief of staffs that you know who've been in in the past, what kind of career paths have they taken afterwards? What are some typical trajectories? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, working at a company from the vantage point of the CEO is extremely beneficial. You get to see what their life is like both internally and externally, frankly. And so you get to almost build the network that they have right alongside them because you're attending events, you're attending conferences, and you're getting to meet all of those people. So, you know, I think you can almost go in any direction that you want to. If you wanted to become a general manager of some sort within an organization, if you wanted to work your way up to a COO or a CEO, those are all, you know, really 
great paths because I think the chief of staff position is one that really catapults your career moving from somebody at the junior or the mid-level to all of a sudden you're interacting on a daily basis with people at the senior level, both internally and externally, and it develops you and develops your professional presence in a way that you know many other jobs don't. I've heard a lot of uh, several companies now coming out with the title chief strategy officer that former chief of staffs are going into too. Yeah, I would say that that's one as well. So business operations, business strategy, those are all roles I think that a chief of staff could move into. All right. We're going to finish this with a fun lightning round. So I'm going to go and ask you questions that you can answer as quickly as possible. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. Let's do this. So we're going to throw it back to the college days. Morning classes or night? Morning. Written notes or laptop? In college, written. Now, laptop. Coffee or Red Bull? Coffee. Go-to late-night food? Ice cream. Ooh, good one. What's your favorite flavor? Ooh, cookie dough. Ugh, also good. Um, study guide made a week in advance or last-minute cramming? Week in advance. Of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> what was your senior superlative? And if you didn't have one, what would it have been? Probably most likely to have a study guide a week in advance. <laughs> <laughs> I would have voted for that for you. Um, what's your most memorable rejection? This is throwing it back really far. But when I was younger, a lot younger, um, I was really into ballet. Um, and I did ballet. At, I went to an all-girls school, and I did ballet at school, and I did ballet outside of school. And I remember when I was in third grade, I went to try out for the School of American Ballet, like SAB at the New York State Theater, and got rejected. Oh. As a third grader, I was eight years old, and I was devastated. devastated. Your life was over. <laughs> My life was over, but I picked up, I got back on the horse, and I'm okay. What's your go-to pump-up song? Natalie Cole, Everlasting Love. I love that answer. I love that song. I'm loving so these answers. Um, stilettos or sneakers? Stilettos. Do you have a favorite piece of clothing you've ever rented on the runway? I'm really into this white blazer that I'm wearing today by Veronica Beard. I do really like it. What was your favorite job or internship you had in college? When I was a sophomore, I took an internship through the Huntsman program in London working for Euro Money Magazine, which is the European branch of Institutional Investor. And as a sophomore in college, I got to write articles that were published in print, which was really crazy because they were like, oh, you you go to business school, undergrad, you must know what you're talking about. And I got to write articles. So that was really cool. That is awesome. I had no idea. And last but not least, how can our listeners follow you? You can find me on LinkedIn, Jacqueline Cutler, and on Instagram at JackieC589. Thank you so much again for joining us. And I hope everyone who's ever thinking about going into the operations world um, or finance and then something else was as inspired as I was. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Now it's your turn. You've heard about some diverse career paths on this podcast. Now it's time to find your own. Check out wayup.com to search for job and internship opportunities, access up-to-date career advice, and connect with some amazing employers. After all, it's our job to help you on your way up.